Hello and welcome to the Birds and Exploration Podcasts, where we're going to talk about an extinct species of bird called the passenger pigeons. Let's start our bird venture. I'm your host, Stephen, and welcome to the Birds and Exploration Podcast. Yet, in the early 19th century, no wild passenger pigeon could be found. One of the last authenticated records of recapture of a wild bird was at Sergeant Pike Country, Ohio on 24th March 1900. Only a few birds still survived in captivity at this time. Concerned searches were made and rewarded offer for capture of the wild passenger pigeons. From 1909 to 1912, the American Ornithologists Union offered $1,500 to anyone finding a nest or nesting colony of passenger pigeons, but these efforts were futile. Never again would a man witness the magnificent spring and fall migratory flight of this swift and graceful bird. Attempts to save this species by breeding with the survived captive birds were not successful. The passenger pigeons was a colonial and uh, gregarious bird and need large numbers for optimum breeding conditions. It was not possible to re-establish the species with few captive birds. The small captive flock were weakened and died. The mourning dove, um, the close relative of the passenger pigeon, resembles the passenger pigeons in shape and coloring. This has often led to the mistaken identification and false reports of passenger pigeons long after they became extinct. The morning dove that we see regularly is smaller and less brightly colored than the passenger pigeon. The iris of the adult morning dove is dark brown, and that of the male passenger pigeon is bright red, and the female was orange. Juveniles of the morning dove and the passenger pigeon resemble each other more closely than the adults. The young morning dove does not have the black spot on its neck. The iris of the young passenger pigeon was a hazel color. The range of the passenger pigeon in its migrations was from central Ontario, Quebec, and uh, Novia Scotia south to the uplands of Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Only a few birds were reported as far west as the Dakotas. The main nesting areas was in the region of the Great Lakes and east to the New York section. The main wintering sites stretched from Arkansas to the Northern Carolina south to the upwards of the Gulf of States. The habitat of the passenger pigeon was mixed in hardwood forests. Um, the birds depended on the huge forest for their spring nesting sites, for winter roosts, and for food. The mainstays of the passenger pigeon's diet were acorns, chestnuts, seed, and berries found in the forests. The migratory flights of the passenger pigeon were very particular. Uh, the birds flew at an estimate speed of about 60 miles an hour. Observers reported that the sky was darkened by the huge flocks that passed overhead. These flights often continued from morning till night and lasted for several days. 
The time of the spring migration depended on the weather situations. Small flocks sometimes arrived at the northern eastern areas as early as February, but the main migration occurred in March and April. The nesting sites were established in the forest areas that had a sufficient supply of food water available within daily flight routine. The young bird was very naked and blind when born, but grew and developed rapidly. When feathered, it's similar color to that of the adult female, but its feathers were tipped white, giving it a scaled appearance. This remained in the nest for about 14 days, being fed and cared for by the parent birds. And by this time, it had grown large and plump and usually weighted more than its parents. It had developed enough to take care of itself and soon fluttered to the ground to hunt for its own food. Because the passenger pigeons congregated in such large numbers, it needed large forests for its existence. When the early settlers cleared the eastern forests for farmland, the birds were forced to shift their nesting and roosting sites to the forests that still remained. As their forest food supply decreased, the birds began utilizing the grain field of the farmers. The large flock of passenger pigeons often caused serious damage to the crops, and farmers retaliated by shooting the birds using them as a source of meat. Yet this did not decrease the numbers drastically. The notable decrease of the passenger pigeons started when the professional hunters began netting and shooting the birds to sell in city markets. Although the bird always had been used for food to some extent, even by Indians, the real slaughter began in the 1800s. There were no law restricting the number of pigeons killed or the way they were taken, because birds were communal in habits. They were easily netted by using bait traps and decoys. The birds were shot at net nesting sites. The young squab were knocked out of the nest with long sticks, and pots of burning sulfur were placed under the roosting trees so fumes would daze the bird and they would fall onto the ground. Hundreds of thousands of passenger pigeons were killed for private consumption and for sale on the market, where they often sold as little as 50 cents a dozen. And by the 1850s, the destruction of the pigeons was in full force. And by 1860s, it was noticed that the number of birds seemed to be decreasing, but the slaughter continued. One of the last largest nesting sites of the passenger pigeon occurred at the Bestokey, Michigan in 1878. Here, 50,000 birds per day were killed at this rate and continued for nearly five months. When the adult birds that survived this massacre attempted second nesting at new sites, they were soon located by the professional hunters and killed before they had the chance to raise any young. The concerned voices for conservatists had little effort on stopping the slaughter. Finally, a bill was passed in Michigan legislature making it illegal to net pigeons within two miles of a nesting area. But the law was weakly enforced and few arrests were made for violations. By the early 1890s, the passenger pigeon had almost completely disappeared. It was now too late to protect them by passing laws. In 1897, a bill was introduced in Michigan legislature asking for a 10-year closed season on passenger pigeons. This was a complete futile gesture as the birds were still surviving as lone individuals were too few to re-establish the species. The passenger pigeon's technique of survival has been based on mass tactics. There had been safety in its large flocks, which often numbered hundreds of thousands of birds. When a lack of this size established itself in the area, 
The number of local animal predators, such as wolves, foxes, weasels, and hawks, were so small compared to the total number of the birds that little damage could be inflicted on the flock as a whole. This colonial way of life became very dangerous when man became a predator on the flocks. When the birds were massed together, especially at a nesting site, it was easy for man to slaughter them in such huge numbers that there were not enough birds left to successfully reproduce the species. The interests of civilization, with its forest clearing and farming, were diametrically opposed to the interests of birds which needed huge forests to survive. The passenger pigeons could not adapt themselves to the existing small flocks. When their interests clashed with the interests of man, civilization prevailed. The wanton slaughter of the birds could only sped up the process of extinction. The converting of forests to farmland could have eventually doomed the passenger pigeons. The one valuable result of the extinction of the passenger pigeon was that it was aroused a public interest in the need for strong conservation laws. Because the laws were put into effect, we have saved many other species of our migratory birds and wildlife. I know that this is a fairly heavy episode, but I think it really emphasized the importance of this idea of protection within the animal kingdom or within the nature as a whole. It is important for us to realize that we are not the only one that walked this earth. We 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 have to have the company of plants, of animals, of other various organisms so that we can live together in harmony and in peace.